I dare you to be a Daniel. What an exciting book and what a timely book. Man, this guy was awesome. We have so many incredible stories coming up, so many incredible lessons. We have the 70 weeks prophecy, spiritual warfare, the second coming, the rapture, the resurrection. This is an exciting book, and I'm excited to present it to you on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. If an angel tells Daniel that he is highly esteemed, where do you think he may be highly esteemed? I think in heaven. Daniel, some of the versions say, you are greatly beloved, which is beautiful. Uh, Daniel was highly esteemed in heaven. If you have a New Living Translation, it says you are very precious to God. And I, I wonder about that as an individual, like, you know, how would one gain esteem in heaven? Heaven becomes, as you study your Bible, a synonym for God. So if you're greatly beloved or highly esteemed, I mean, that, that speaks volumes. So I know your name, Daniel. God's heard your prayers. And by the way, you are highly esteemed in heaven. <laughs> There's nowhere else I'd like to be highly esteemed, right? Amen? Than in heaven itself. That's what we should be shooting for. We, we worry so much about what other people think of us, but ultimately, you know, my audience really is an audience of one, and I want him to be pleased with what I do, how I preach, how I live. And Daniel was that kind of man. We know he wasn't a perfect man. 1 Kings 8.46 says there's no man who does not sin. He was confessing his sin, but I even think that God appreciates that. I think God appreciates honesty. I think God appreciates transparency. By the way, you're not pulling the wool over the eyes of the shepherd anyway if you hold things back in prayer or if you try to update him on current events. I'm not sure if you knew this about me, Lord. But uh, I, have, I have some weaknesses in this area. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, that's not the case. Transparency, especially before God, can be very freeing. And so Daniel is addressed and he says, you're greatly beloved, so here's the message. I know you've been burdened for your people. I know you've been burdened about what's gonna happen, and I've come to give you the answer. This is an awesome insight, but the moment Daniel prayed, heaven was enlisted. And later in our Bibles, we read that Gabriel has a habit of doing this kind of thing, of showing up. He shows up to Zacharias in Luke 1.19 and to Mary, in Luke 1.26, and in both cases, in Luke 1.19, he's announcing or giving the annunciation of the birth of John the Baptist, and in Luke 1.26, he tells Mary that she's going to have a son, and interestingly enough, there's about 500 years that separate this moment when this word is given to Daniel and those annunciations, maybe a little less than that, actually a little bit more than that, but let's just call it about 500 years. It's interesting that Gabriel got to announce the prophecy, the 70 weeks prophecy, which does speak of the first coming of Jesus, and then got to be there to speak to the people who are actually gonna be the vehicles to bring forth the Messiah. Isn't that cool? I'm, I'm sure Gabriel was saying, Lord, how long is it gonna be until I can meet Mary and give her the announcement of the coming? Well, it's gonna be about 500 years. Wow, 500 years. But maybe on angel time, that's nothing. I don't know. And so 
I've come to give you understanding you're very precious to God. And I just want to tell you, saints, that many times in the New Testament, it calls us the beloved of God. For God so loved the world. Paul says that Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. So you are greatly loved in heaven. That's why God sent his son for you. To make sure that you would be in heaven as a co-heir of Jesus Christ. You are greatly loved in heaven. Sometimes it's hard to get our arms around that one, right? Especially in our days when we're not doing so great. But God loved us and he demonstrated that love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God put his love on display at that cross. So here's the prophecy. 70 weeks as Gabriel addresses Daniel, literally 70 sevens, that's a unit of seven, have been decreed or determined for your people, that's Israel, your holy city, that's Jerusalem. Now there are six things that we're gonna see that have been decreed for Jerusalem in this 70 weeks prophecy. See the word weeks there? It's a Hebrew word called Shabuah, S-H-A-B-U-A, Shabuah. It means a period of seven, it could be days, years, weeks, but because Daniel has been focusing on the 70 years of captivity and because of the way that this uh, prophecy sets up, most scholars hold that this is years, weeks of years. So 70 weeks or 77s is the literal translation have been decreed. The Hebrew word is actually the word seven or a group or a unit or more accurately, you could say a group of seven something. And so it is a group of seven years is the conclusion of most scholars. Now, th the, this is a suggestion of an outline of the prophecy. In verse 24, you get the scope of the entire prophecy. In verse 25, you get 69 weeks that are talked about. In verse 26, you get an interval between the 69th and 70th week. The 70th week, remember, is the last seven years that we've talked about. And then we'll get the 70th week in verse 27. So let's look at it in the NIV. Seventy sevens are decreed for your people, your holy city. Six things. To finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. The word for decreed there is katak in Hebrew. It means this has been determined, it's been settled, it's been marked out. Jesus Christ in Acts 2, 23, was delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. When Jesus died, he died on the Passover. He rose, he was buried, uh, and then rose on feast days. According to God's calendar, Jesus was on God's clock when he came here. The amount of ministry time that he would serve, the, when he would show up at certain feasts and so forth, all part of God's plan, God's daytimer or calendar. Galatians 4.4 says, when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, Born of a woman, born under the law. Scholars say the fullness of time means when the time was exactly right. 
God sent forth his son. He already had a plan and he was gonna fulfill that plan. And by the way, he has a plan for your life and he's gonna fulfill that plan as well. And so they, these are the things that are gonna go on and they have to do with the people of Israel. I want you to turn to um, Isaiah, just a little, a few books before Daniel, Isaiah 43. Turn to Isaiah 43. In Exodus 4.22, it says that Israel is my son, my firstborn. This prophecy, by the way, gives us further evidence, Isaiah 43, that God is not done with the actual nation of Israel. And we do know that it is a big deal that Israel returned to the land in 48, recaptured Jerusalem in 1967, and has plans to rebuild a temple, at least plans among some of the people of Israel. For those of you who, how many of you went to Israel with us in March? All right, we went to a place called the Temple Institute. In the Temple Institute, we saw a bunch of the implements for the temple that have already been built and are prepared. They are training priests for temple sacrifice. They've been able to track down priests by the last name of the individuals and those who are, uh, maybe you've seen programs where people are feeling like maybe they're Jewish and they're getting their DNA tested and people are flocking back to Israel. And there is a place called the Temple Institute. We were just there where you can see the menorah. You can see the different uh, pots and things for the temple. And so this is happening right now. I don't know what the time frame will be, but I'll tell you, we are closer than we've ever been before. God's heart for Israel, unmistakable throughout the whole Bible, but listen to Isaiah 43, look at verse one. But now thus says the Lord, Isaiah 43, one, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched. We can think of some scenes in the book of Daniel. Nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place. Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored, and God says, and I love you. And I will give other men in your place and other peoples in exchange for your life. Do not fear, I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, and whom I have created for my glory whom I have formed, even whom I have made. And so back to Daniel, the Babylonian captivity was prophesied for the people of Israel. They were coming to the end of the 70 years. Uh, if you're interested in noting this, the Babylonian captivity was based on the fact that they were not honoring the Sabbaths and letting the land rest. If you wanna do more study on this idea, look at Leviticus 25, one through 22. Leviticus 26, verses three through 35, and Deuteronomy 15. You can also see the idea of the years there as well. And so the 70 years were a punishment from God, and now it was coming to the end. And so six things, I'll, I'll mention them again in verse 24 of Daniel 9. 
When this all happens, transgression is to be finished. There will be an end of sin. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... The Book of Ruth is a tiny gem in scriptures. Its story goes much deeper than we see on the surface. It's a story of loving kindness, hope, and redemption. Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges, and Boaz becomes their redeemer. Looking deeper, the lady's story is our story, and Boaz is a picture of our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. This book will give you hope through the toughest seasons and lead you back to the answer, our God, who is filled with loving kindness and is our hope. For your donation of $20 or more, we would like to give you a copy of the CD set or DVD by Pastor Michael Lance, Ruth, the Lord of the Harvest. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Back to Daniel, the Babylonian captivity was prophesied for the people of Israel. They were coming to the end of the 70 years. Uh, If you're interested in noting this, the Babylonian captivity was based on the fact that they were not honoring the Sabbaths and letting the land rest. If you want to do more study on this idea, look at Leviticus 25, 1 through 22. Leviticus 26, verses 3 through 35. And Deuteronomy 15. You can also see the idea of the years there as well. And so the 70 years were a punishment from God. And now it was coming to the end. And so six things, I'll mention them again in verse 24 of Daniel 9. When this all happens, transgression is to be finished. There will be an end of sin. Atonement for sin is to be made. Everlasting righteousness to be brought in. Vision and prophecy will be sealed up. And the most holy, it either could be the temple or the most holy one, the Messiah, is to be anointed. These six things are at the center of the prophecy. I do believe that the most holy being anointed is the Messiah because the Messiah is at the center of verse 25 and the Messiah is going to be the one that accomplishes much of what is in verse 24. And so this is a prophecy. Number one, the prophecy says, it will finish transgression or make an end of sin. Whose sin? Who's the subject of the prophecy? Israel. What's the problem for Israel today? Unbelief. The nation of Israel, though some are orthodox and some are religious, uh, even those who are orthodox and religious deny that Jesus is the Messiah. I was uh, at the Western Wall and that's the place where you can see the Jews go there with their prayer books and they're, they're bobbing and they're praying for the nation. And I went under a, a part of the wall and I got to speak to a young man who's studying to be a rabbi. And he's from Connecticut. <laughs> and I think he was maybe 21. And so he's doing a crash course on rabbi preparation. And so I said, well, he goes, who are you guys? And I said, well, we're, we're Christians and we... We've come to visit the Holy Land and we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. <laughs> and he kind of smiled and said, yeah, I know that's where we have a difference of opinion. And I said, oh yeah, we do. But we love the Jewish people and we're, he was there with his scripture boxes and everything tied and all you know the, the curls and everything done the right way. And uh, it's just interesting to be there. 
there's a partial blindness that has happened to Israel till the fullness of the Gentiles be fulfilled. I want to show you a key section. If you haven't seen this before, it's in Romans 11. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Go to Romans 11. This is the future of Israel. It's in a New Testament book, and it's explaining what happened to Israel and what will happen to her. Look at Romans 11, verse 25. Here's what Paul says. Romans 11, 25. I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, or to be uninformed of this mystery, Romans eleven twenty five, 25, lest you be wise in your own estimation, that a partial hardening or unbelief has happened to who? To Israel. Until, the idea is there will be a time when this is terminated, the fullness, it speaks of completion there, of the Gentiles, that's, that's nations that are not Jewish, has come in. And thus, all Israel will be saved. Just as it is written, the deliverer or the Messiah will come from Zion, that's that holy mountain that we talked about. He will do what? He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. I will make an end of transgression. Back to Daniel 9. This is what the Messiah is going to do. Right now, even though Jesus and this is some theological waters that people wrestle with, but in Calvinistic thought, some Calvinists believe in what's called limited atonement. They believe that Jesus' blood shed on the cross, his death on the cross, is limited to only those who believe. But 1 John 2, 2 says that Jesus died not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. His blood, his death, is sufficient to cleanse every single human being that will ever live from their sin. But the key is, you must receive it. To as many as received him, to them he gave the authority to become what? The sons of God. So you must believe to have the blood applied to you. You must receive the gift to be saved. If you have not received the atoning, propitiatory sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, even though it's been paid for, it's not yours. Therefore, your sins are not dealt with, and therefore you will be under the judgment of God. You see, the only way sin gets atoned is if it's applied to you. And so you must, I must have a moment when I say, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for dying on that cross for me. I believe, I receive, I ask you to save me, to cleanse me. I want to be born again of your Holy Spirit. That's when you get saved and not before then. So the gift is there, but I must take it for myself. I must receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's when it, the atoning work of Christ gets applied to you. Everybody with me? And for Israel, the subject of our prophecy, they have largely not applied it. For many in Israel, sadly, Jesus is a joke. Uh, they, they don't want to give him another thought. They don't believe that he can be the Messiah. Therefore, they remain in unbelief and in remaining in unbelief, they don't have the atonement for their sins. 
They don't have a temple anymore. There are no animal sacrifices. Not that that would matter anyway because animal sacrifices can't cleanse you from your sin anyway. And so um, here's the issue. And so these six things in verse 24, to atone for sin, to bring in everlasting righteousness, all of these things can only happen once you know Jesus. Then your sins get atoned for. Look at, uh, go back to Daniel 9 and look at verse 24. Keeping in mind that the main audience is the Jewish people, but so to finish transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Well, how do you end up, are you righteous before God tonight as a Christian? Yes, how? By the blood of Jesus, by that new and living way. So the problem with Israel is that they were pursuing a law of righteousness and did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. The biggest problem with Israel is unbelief. You see, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. And today, if you're in Christ, Jesus, uh, the Father, sees you as righteous because the work of the Son has been applied to your life. How many of you can remember the balloon within the balloon at uh, Disneyland? Did you ever get one of those? All right, so it didn't have the Mickey ears on it, and it was a balloon within a balloon. And if, and if you were young, you kind of walked, wow, wow. Anyway, well, this is a very poor illustration, but go with me. So your life is the balloon within the balloon. God the Father sees you through the finished work of his son, Jesus Christ. You have what's called imputed righteousness. Not only are you forgiven of your sin, but the righteousness of Jesus Christ has been applied to your account by faith. What theologians call the great exchange of the cross. When Jesus died on the cross and I came into a relationship with him, his sacrificial death and righteousness goes to my account and all my sin was put on him at the cross. Here's what it is, the great exchange of the cross. My sin went to him, his righteousness comes to me. Pretty good deal, ain't it? And by the way, it costs you nothing. It's solely work on the, uh, solely based on the finished work and the payment of Jesus Christ who from the cross said it is finished, which means paid in, not partially paid, Many of us are thinking of the bills that we have partially paid. Man, wow. Only 24 more easy payments and I'll be <laughs> done with that. But one payment was made once for all for those who are in Jesus Christ. My salvation shall be forever. My righteousness shall not wane, Isaiah 51, 6. The days are coming, Jeremiah 23, 5 declares the Lord, when I shall raise up for David a righteous branch, he will reign as king and act wisely, do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved. Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which we will be called, the Lord our righteousness. That's Jeremiah 23, five and six. Verse 24 also says that, they, that uh, prophecy and uh, they will seal up vision and prophecy. Flip over to Daniel 12 for a second. I believe there's a direct application here. We'll dig this out when we get there, but here's a preview, Daniel 12 verse one. Now at that time, Michael, one of my favorite guys in the Bible right there, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, that's Israel, 
will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who's found written in the book, will be rescued, Daniel 12, 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. And those who have insight, that's what Daniel's getting now, will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead the many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and what? Seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. Hey guys, it's incredible that we're entering the holiday season now. And we have a wonderful product to offer to you as a thank you for a donation of $20 or more to the ongoing ministry of Walk in Truth. It's called Lord of the Harvest. It's a teaching through the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, the story of Ruth, is more than just what you see on the surface. It's really a story of loving kindness, hope, and redemption. As Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges, but meet a kinsman redeemer named Boaz. When we look a little deeper, their story is our story, and Boaz is a picture of our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. I would love to get this product into your hands. Go to our website at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH, and we'll get this product in your hands. And for a donation of $20 or more, you'll be helping us reach more people and reach out with God's truth this holiday season. We appreciate it. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.